You're listening to This Is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. Join Kyle Shea and Stacey Bradshaw as they talk about trends, insights, and best practices to arm you in the disruptive battle to stay relevant in today's B2B market. And now, this is Annex. Hi, everybody, and welcome to This is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers, brought to you by B2B Marketing. I see. We still haven't shortened up that name. I'm Kyle Shea, Director of <laughs> Digital Media here at Annex Business Media. Stacy Bradshaw, Project Manager, Annex Business Media. I can tell you mean business today, Kyle. You've got that real uh, radio voice. Thank My wife me. says I have good phone voice. Oh, well, there you go. So okay. I got a question for you. Yep. We said we were going to talk about email marketing. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell me specifically about B2B email marketing? I had a long drive to Toronto the other day, and I gave this a lot of thought, and I was thinking about the fact that email itself as a technology, although we've seen some some cool new features and things, but as a tech, it hasn't really changed that much, yet it still remains, arguably, one of the most effective ways for B2B marketers to make new customers aware of their brand, generate leads, facilitate ROI, and scale their business. It really is still so strong. And I know there was a few years there where people were really, maybe still are, pontificating about the demise of email, saying that it's going to go away. And I really think the the data is telling us the opposite. There's a really cool infographic I think we're going to put in our show notes. Um, This says 89% of marketers consider their email marketing strategy their most successful. Well, let me me throw this at you. We all got an email address. Mm -hmm. I don't care who it is. My son, my wife, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, we all have them. We're not all on Twitter. We're not all on Facebook. We're not all on Instagram. But we all have an email address. Yes. I think in business especially, the reason that email is still so prevalent and why people were were thinking that it was going to go way at one point is that we used to use email for everything. We used to use email to chat those small sort of transactional conversations. True. We used to use email as basically our file sharing. We used to email use email for project management. I think I used to send you email of what I was having for dinner. Well, you never did that. But do you know what I mean? I think we used to use email used to be sort of like our primary communication tool. Yes. And now we have IM software and chat software. We're sort of using that to have those small interactions. There's so many. Every you know, all companies have got good projects project management tools in place, CRMs, invoicing tools, everything sort of happening in their respective software outside of email, which leaves email sort of back to what it was originally intended for, which is those big communications, making people aware of new products and services, a time for people to actually like spend time in their inbox. We're all still living in our inboxes, 100% right? we are, yeah. That's not to say that a lot of us aren't on a deleting mission when we get up, and, you know, we're trying to like address each thing. And well, delete, we're always delete, talking delete. about zero inbox, are we not? Like we're always going on back and forth trying yeah. to make that happen. It never happens. And but. that's why I think today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the best practices and how you avoid getting your emails, your newsletters, your marketing messages caught up in the deleting mission. And, and that's where we're going to talk about subject lines, give some best practices there, things like preview text. A-B testing. Um, A-B testing, targeting, and all the best practices and ways to use email marketing to generate leads, get your brand out there, and 
to scale your business. You know, my favorite is the psychology of it all. Mm-hmm. Getting into people's minds and trying to figure out what they're going to click on, whether it's, it's that specific color, it's that specific call to action, that verb, whatever it is. It's not click here anymore. No, like very small things. They say using the words you or your in your subject line. Hmm. It's Again, it's a psychological thing. You're just sort of indicating to the person that, hey, I'm speaking to you. And that's where I think when we talk about best practices and subject lines, especially in the B2B context, it's about how is this email, how is the information in this email going to help this person do their job better, to increase revenue for their business, to save costs, to improve efficiency, whatever the product or service is, and whatever the benefit is of that product or service that you're trying to promote, that you're trying to sell, talk about the benefit and talk to the person. So you're talking about the relevancy of the email. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you're saying here. It's not generic marketing per se. You're not loading a shotgun and scattershotting it out to 20,000 different people. You're talking about a, a very select group of people that, you know, in our case at Annex is the list of manure managers or the list of bakers or the list of fire chiefs in Canada. It's a message that pertains to them specifically. Yeah, there's so many tagging and segmentation tools built into all of our email marketing software now that you can get so contextual, you can get so relevant and that the days of batch blasts are over and you can get even more granular if you want to get into geo-targeting or targeting by job title, if you just want to reach C-suite, if you just want to reach certain segments within the market. I think that's where email is so powerful that you can cater your message to the audience. Yeah, and the key to that is, is like you said, is making your message matter. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I'm in the C-suite of a target group and you are talking about something that specifically applies to me, whether it's this big new software that would help me make my manufacturing business work smarter, faster, better, or it's targeting those owners of pizza parlors on a new point of sale software. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about making that message matter to your individual market base. That's just it. So let's take it back a little bit. We've got a really good list of tips here that I think are really going to help our audience get the most out of their email marketing campaigns. Perfect. Love it. So let's start at the beginning. The first challenge when it comes to email marketing is getting in the inbox and cutting through the clutter and getting noticed, right? So you don't end up in that delete mission. So one thing that everybody should consider is your sender score. So is that like the spam score? Kind of. So the spam score is more related to the actual individual email itself. Oh, so the body of the email. Yeah, so each email has a has a spam score and we should talk about that too. Your sender score represents your sender reputation associated with the domain name that you're sending the emails from. So if you're sending sending from like a MailChimp or a campaigner, we can assume that they have pretty good reputation scores. Oh yeah. All the the major ESPs have good systems in place. I'm going to stop you right there. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to me what an ESP is? And so ESP stands for your email service provider. Oh, okay. So there's a site called returnpath.com and on returnpath.com you can actually it'll tell you what your sender score is. And we're going to put that in the show notes. Yeah, good idea. The other thing when it comes to getting into the inbox is what we've already talked about a little bit is the subject line. Mm, Don't be spammy. Don't be spammy. So what does that mean though? 
Well, there's certain trigger words that spam filters will identify. So I've got in my notes here yep. that the seven words you can't say on email, uh, you know, the old George Carlin bit about the seven words you can't say on TV, I won't say them here. You're dating yourself again. <laughs> George Carlin was so nah, great. Um, so buy, sale, free, cash, click, price, and save. And about 5,000 more words you can't say. Yeah, and that's where your spam score comes in. Your spam score, if your ESP has something built into it to tell you what the spam score, it'll usually identify for you what mm. the problem words are in your email. It'll also tell you things like your text-to-image ratio. Oh, so it goes beyond just things you can't say. Totally, yeah. So spam doesn't, spam filters don't like it when you have you know just one big image and no text in your right. email. Conversely, they like to see images. So a nice text to image ratio is a thing. So the spam score will tell you where you're sort of losing points, gaining points. So should I put three or four exclamation? <laughs> no exclamation. Oh, no, subject none. Line. Yeah, so we're talking about none. subject lines. Okay. And subject lines, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but keeping them short and sweet for sure. They say there's no magic number, but, you know, eight words sort of on average, okay. especially on your mobile device. It gets even shorter. You can't read anything afterwards. No. Right? So you, they get cut off. So you really got to get to the point and you have to think about what is compelling to the audience that you're trying to reach. Like I said before, saying things like company ABC releases new software X or product Y. Boring. Boring. How is that helping me? Why should I, Stacey Bradshaw, why should I, Kyle Shea, open that email? Because I think we are... We're putting people into buckets, but in the end, we are still reaching individuals. So it's almost like you need to look at how you use email personally mm -hmm. to be able to figure out how somebody else would read your email. Yeah, that's why they say questions, for example, are actually pretty good in terms of engagement when it comes to subject lines. Are you looking to cut costs on X? Something that really speaks to the professional that you're trying to reach, even things like if you're trying to reach, say, plant managers, a subject line like what plant managers need to know about. Oh, so calling them out specifically. Yeah, else. exactly. So the other thing in addition to the subject line is something called the preview text. Mm. So the preview text is that short little snippet of text that appears underneath of the subject line. In Usually most you're seeing it on phones and in that little preview column on the left of your Outlook. Yeah, so right? depending on what email client you're using to actually look at your email, the preview text can look differently. But the nice thing about the preview text is that so most email programs will by default put the beginning, the first sentence right. that appears in the body of the email would become the preview text. But really, that's a second opportunity to entice the reader to open your email. It sort of complements the subject line. It's like your second subject line. Yeah, it's a second right? chance. So, I mean, I know at Annex Business Media here when clients send third-party e-blast marketing to our audience, we give them the opportunity to customize that preview text. Right. Not all take that. No, that subject that people need to take advantage of. Yep. So it's important when we're talking about sender reputation to also talk about subdomains. So Subdomains? Yeah, I know. We're going to get a little, a little techie here. A little insider baseball? <laughs> yeah. So subdomains have a separate sender reputation than their like parent domain. So for example, some people will send their transactional emails like, you know, something like hello at accounting dot 
thecompanyname.com. Oh, okay. And then they'll gotcha. send their promotional emails from something like hello at promotions.company.com. So each one of those subdomains or they have their own reputation, is that right? Yeah, and that's it, it sort of protects you from, so say for whatever reason one of those sender domains gets a bad reputation, it doesn't affect the other one. Like you always want your sort of transactional emails to get through. So if you suddenly add, say, thousands of people to your list and maybe your open rates start going down and your reputation starts getting influenced on your promotions.companyname.com, right. then your accounting.companyname.com won't be influenced. Or your corporate email, so-and-so at company.com doesn't get influenced. So those emails still get through, but it's when it's promotions.companyname.com, yep. those may suffer. That's right. So right. that's why oh, okay. you see a lot of companies having, you're getting e- different types of emails from different email addresses. I got you. I always wondered that, why there was an email dot company name yeah, dot com. Yeah, that's why. I got you. So I think we've covered sort of how you want to get into the inbox. So let's talk a little bit about the, the message, message. The actual email marketing content. This is my favorite part. <laughs> okay. So like any other marketing piece of collateral, you have to start with what your objective is. So is this a branding exercise? Is it a lead gen campaign? Or do you have some type of sales funnel set up that you want your audience to take? Do you have a landing page set up? Do you want them to learn more about the products and services? And then you're going to follow up with more information. So I think before you talk about the content, you have to talk about what you want the audience to do when they receive. So it's not just about the message. It's what happens after the message. Exactly. So your call to action. What is your call to action? And I think we have some good tips on how to come up with an effective call to action, but it has to start with the objective. What if I want to put click here? I'd be very upset. <laughs> click here is... Is that dated? It's dated. We want a verb. We want an action. Yeah, and, and ideally putting some urgency around that. You know, learn more today. Sign up for the register. You know, reserve your seat. Spots are limited. Make like everyone, it, Make it in the now. Exactly. So words like now, words like today actually lend some urgency to the call to action. And even to a lesser extent, learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you make it, uh, you know, make it, make it an opportunity for somebody to, to learn. For sure. And I want to talk about being focused in your message. You know what I mean? Like, let's not over salt the email with 15 links. Let's talk about one thing. You know, that's one thing we do here at Annex is when uh, an advertiser wants to send an e-blast, we recommend that they promote one thing and one thing only. The worst thing to have is 15 different links on the email message and trying to explain to an advertiser why they only got three clicks here, two clicks there. When if they combine that into one link associated with a landing page, you can then say, oh, you got 53 clicks to your page explaining your offer. When we look at the statistics on the e-blasts that we put out for our advertisers, the e-blasts that have a clear, one clear, concise call to action generate more higher click-through rate than e-blasts that have competing messages and multiple calls to action. Because we're not telling them to contact. We're not telling them to watch a video. We're not telling them to do three other things. We're telling them to do one thing. Watch video. Download white Mm -hmm. paper. 
you know, that kind of uh, message works so much better than scattershot, you know, link fest. Yeah, and the same goes for display ads like big boxes and leaderboards within industry newsletters. We always encourage our advertisers to, again, have like one clear call to action. And we might get the odd one that still puts a phone number in there, right? Because they kind of feel that this is my primary positioning in this newsletter and I want to have as much information about my company in there as possible. But the reality is if you want people to take action on that and to click on that, the call to action needs to be short and sweet and clear. And we've got a lot to say about display ads. We'll leave that for another podcast, but man, they're not dead yet. No, I think our e-newsletter rates, our engagement rates are just getting higher and yeah, higher. And we put big boxes in their leaderboards, plus on our websites as well. Well, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. The reality is that email is still one of the most influential sources of information sure for yeah. industry professionals. And I do like to kind of harken back to, to what I said where I like to look at email marketing how I would look at mm-hmm. it. I'm in a business, you know, Annex Business Media, that's that's where I work. I look at emails related to Annex Business Media and I learn from that, how it affects me, you know, their call to actions, what works on me. Mm-hmm. I like to try and push that to our advertisers, recommend things for advertisers. And you as listeners should look at how you use email, uh, react to email, click on email or links in email and see how that works for you. Apply that to your own email marketing. Yeah, and the more data that we gather on our audiences, which we're all constantly doing, gives us the opportunity to make those targeting options available to the advertisers. And anybody managing any sort of email marketing campaign knows that the more targeted the message, the more engagement you're going to get. So the more data you're gathering on your audience, the better it can be. So I think that's the other reason that email marketing is still so strong is that it's so measurable. We can actually get get strong results and clear results on... And change accordingly. Yeah, you can pivot. You can do A-B testing on, you know, we've talked about subject lines at great length, but you can test two subject lines, blast it out, you know, randomly to half the list. Yeah, two subject lines, two call to actions, two link colors if you wanted to go that deep into the weeds. Oh, yeah. Like, as long as you're only changing one variable at a time, as long as you're only testing one variable at a time, A-B testing is a really great way to optimize your marketing message. So, you know, you test subject line with one e-blast. Maybe you test the color of the button if you want to get that granular on the next one, and then you just continually optimize for the next campaign. Can we talk about, because we are are talking about the message, can we talk a little bit about the psychology of email marketing? We talked a about colors, color mm-hmm. changes in A-B testing. You know, colors matter. Wording matters. Oh, for the sure. fear of missing out matters. It's all about how your email reacts with the psychology of the person you're sending Oh, yeah. To. They say colors like red are sort of alarming. Green, cash, money. Go. It's Go. action, yeah. right? Blue, sort of like a universal hyperlink uh, we're color. We're almost pre-programmed to click on blue. You gotta click right? on it if it's blue. Yeah, so all of those things come into play and they're perfect things to test with A-B testing. Thing. All right, so we've talked about the inbox. We've talked about the message and the and the 
things behind the message. What about this lead gen thing you're talking about? So there's multiple ways to use email marketing to generate sales-ready leads. Some of the more obvious ones are, you know, downloading a white paper, having some sort of landing page where people fill in a form, get some something in return, and whether it's registering for a webinar, downloading a white paper, downloading an infographic, and then in return, you gather a small amount of information on, you know, their sales intentions or their purchase intentions. So does it make sense to actually have a landing page for any kind of e-blast that we No, it all depends. It goes back to the three objectives. It all depends on what the objective is of the campaign. If you just want to get the information about your product or service out to the relevant audience, maybe there is no need for lead generation. You probably already have that page on your website to send people to. Yeah, you want them to learn more about it. You just want to keep continually or you just want to be at the forefront of their minds when they're We've talked in the past last podcast about the fact that the sales cycle for B2B is long. Yes. They're not going to go buy the new software or the new piece of manufacturing equipment the day they see the e-blast or the week they see the e-blast. Yeah, it could take weeks or months. Yeah, so it's right. about being top of mind when they're ready to make that decision. So, there's so it's almost like a branding exercise There's at that still point. very it's much a place for branding sure. in B2B. Now, when it comes to lead gen, I know at Annex Business Media, we have a couple lead gen tools that we offer to our clients so um, for example we have a sponsored spotlight which is a sponsored content piece within our editorial newsletter so it sort of looks and feels like editorial it's great for companies that have strong content marketing materials to put out there and in return you know we have a disclaimer that says you know we may share your contact information with this sponsor and in return you get names because of castle compliance we can't share email addresses Um, but we do share their job tags the company that they're in. And the phone number, right? And the phone so number. they can actually call that lead. Mm-hmm. That would be a soft lead. Would would that be fair? Yeah, I mean I, I mean with our markets, they're fairly well qualified already because that's we true. know they're in the industry. But that's where if you want to get really specific, that's where a landing page would really or have a trickle its place. marketing campaign. For sure, like yeah. We apply. do we do drip marketing campaigns where, you know, maybe you do just want them to in step one learn about the product or service. Right. So those fifty people or hundred people that clicked on step one mm-hmm. will learn about the service, you then target them specifically with a more in-depth piece. And then maybe follow up with a third where right. you're actually contacting them. So that's gotcha. called a drip campaign, and that's called becoming very useful in email marketing, especially for B2B. And that all kind of comes back to the fact that email marketing is so measurable. So whether you're email marketing campaign is a branding exercise or a lead gen or you're walking people through a sales funnel. Regardless of the style, you should always be tracking. We always recommend our clients use UTM tracking links. So the UTM tracking links, so clients who have uh, Google Analytics set up can go to a link which we'll put in our show notes. Okay. So instead of providing just a JPEG with a link to your website, you're going to create a UTM tracking code around that website link. So what it does is it allows you to put in variables like the source. So for example, in this case, email, or if it was a Facebook campaign, you would put Facebook. If it was a Twitter campaign, you would put Twitter. So whatever the medium is that is put out there, the actual campaign name. So this is around product X. You're going to put that into the variable of your UTM tracking so that when you go into your Google analytics, as people start clicking on this campaign, you can see, okay, so campaign ABC from Facebook received this much traffic. Campaign ABC from the email marketing campaign received this much traffic. Oh, so, so you're not relying on us or the company that you're sending it through. Mm-hmm. You're not relying on us telling you how successful it was. You're seeing it within your Google Analytics 
reporting. Absolutely, yeah. And we always provide reports for sure, but it's always nice to have that reassurance and knowing that you're hitting the right audience and being able to compare the success of different campaigns so that you can optimize your messages moving forward. Yeah, so that is a lot to take in, Stacey. We've covered a lot in this podcast, I think, on email marketing. We could probably do another one, to be honest with you. I think we could probably you. do a whole podcast on cast. For sure we could. And at Annex, we have... Besna Moore is our castle compliance officer. So very official mm-hmm. title, I think actually honest. Annex is one of the first, or maybe the first... I think that, we're the only in yeah, Canada. Yeah, that went through like a proper third-party certification on the Canadian Castle Annex compliance. Yeah. yeah. So it's serious business, and Vesna would be great to get in here for a podcast. So we've got a lot more subjects to tackle on this podcast, but next time we are going to talk about webinars. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot more to come. I appreciate you guys. We both appreciate you guys for listening. Send in the questions. Send in the questions. Podcast at thisisannex.com. We will uh, do our best to answer them, and we'll do that on the next show. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, this is Annex. Thank you for listening to This Is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. As always, please send your questions or comments to podcast at thisisannex.com and subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This is Annex.